You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. And, you know, this time of year, there's a, there's a thought that kind of goes along with this. Uh, I'm preaching on the thought, how much room does Jesus have in your life? And, you know, of course, uh, sometimes you'll hear uh, and be, we'll be reminded of Jesus whenever uh, Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem, how that uh, there was no room for him in the inn. So he was put into a, uh, they, they, they allowed him to go to a, a stable uh, and he was born in a, uh, stable, what's the other word I'm looking for there? Uh, stable laid in, laid in a manger. The manger is actually the trough uh, part. Uh, and so that we talk about the no room for Jesus. You know, they didn't have room for Jesus in the end. Uh, so, you know, we could, you could put a Christmas uh, spin on this message. Uh, but I want to ask today, uh, have you ever had a house guest? I mean, of course we have. Uh, or uh, may- maybe an unexpected house guest, or uh, all of us at some point or another have been a house guest. Now, when I say a house guest, it may not be spending the night or something like that, but, you know, there's certain cultural norms when it comes to being a house guest. Um, you know, just for instance, normally, if you are a guest to somebody's house, you would normally come and knock on the door maybe before entering. Maybe you wouldn't walk right in. Now at our house, uh, and this is kind of part of the message also, really, that depending on the level of your relationship, um, and by the way, just come in our house, especially if you're going to the back door. uh, Not all of you watching on YouTube, perhaps, amen, all five of you, uh, depending on who you are, but but, but just, just come in. But as a general rule, uh, you knock before you come in, uh, it, it, depending on the culture. When I lived in central South Dakota, uh, you did not go into a house without taking your shoes off right when you came in. It was, it was considered pretty rude if you came into someone's house. And, and here I found that that's kind of hit and miss. You know, there's some people that want you to, some people that don't, if at least growing up where I grew up, if you come into somebody's house and took your shoes off, they'd be like, what are you doing? But in central South Dakota, it was expected for you to take your shoes off when you come into somebody's house, which I found a little bit weird, you know, just never having grown up that way. But, so, you know, that depends on where you're at in the culture. Um, think about this. Now, uh, generally, typically, when you're a guest at somebody's house, do you come right in um, Man, I'm just thinking of some good ones with Connor right here. But, it, but it's for, it makes for a good illustration. Do you just come right in and just kick off your shoes and jump and lay on the couch? You know, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe get in the recliner, right? Uh, that recliner, that's usually a special seat, right? Um, but uh, I, I am, I, I, I have been... Uh, I'm kind of a serial lounger. I, I, I can't help it. If you get me in a chair somewhere, and if it's a chair with arms, it doesn't take long to where my legs are dangling over side, 
of the uh, chair, uh, and, uh, and, and I, I do that. We were out at the mall once and just sitting around drinking coffee with uh, Melanie and I and Nate and Kate, and uh, Melanie's like, what are you doing? It's like you're laying down in that chair. Uh, I'll do that at work on breaks. I'll just, you know, prop my feet up. So I've been accused at making myself at home. But as a general rule, uh, that's not generally how you just come into uh, someone's house. Again, as a general rule, uh, you don't normally, you know, just imagine just somebody comes to your house or maybe you just come to someone's house and you come in and you say, hey, how's it going? Thanks. And the whole time you're talking, you just head straight for the kitchen, open up the fridge and See what they got going on in the fridge, you know, maybe make yourself a sandwich or something uh, to that effect. Or maybe you're tired and you just come right in and head right to the master bedroom and kick your shoes off and get yourself comfortable and take a good nap because you're tired. Uh, That's not typically how you do as a guest. Uh, now, as I'm looking around, I'm looking around at some people that are pretty uh, friendly and homey and, hey, come on over and uh, help yourself. Um, but I'm just saying, as a general rule, rule, you don't just come into somebody's house and go straight to the bathroom and start running your bath water, right? And just take a bath or something. Uh, there's, there's, there's just things that we generally don't do much in our society when we think about that. Uh, have you ever just wanted to stop at somebody's house to use the bathroom? Anyone? I've wanted to do that. I've thought about with strangers before, honestly. I've just been out walking or been out, and I'm just thinking, surely they would understand. <laughs> anyway, uh, but as a cultural norm, you don't do that. Um, <laughs> um, but that's not normally how you do. Uh, now, there are... Certain homes now, now that we do feel more at home at than others, um, you know, and, and, and we call that feeling at home, making yourself at home. Uh, I, I, I seriously love it that we'll just be sitting around sometimes. It doesn't happen as often as I, I miss it happening uh, whenever Connor lived in town, but literally we'd just be sitting around and all of a sudden the back, the back door, we heard somebody come into the house uh, and we're like, who's here? And then just Connor comes walking in. And you know what? We love that. And we, we tell the kids all the time, you are welcome here all the time, anytime. Uh, we, uh, and, and I'm telling you, that's, that's the truth. Now, if he went and tried to take a nap in our bed, it might be a little weird, you know. So, so we're cool with him. He can come in. He can get on my recliner for a little bit till I kick him out. Uh, he, he's fine in the fridge. He's fine wherever. But you know, it's just certain levels. I, I go to the grocer's house. I'm there enough to where if we're having desserts or something sweet, uh, without asking, I'm going to open up the fridge and see if they've got some milk in there to drink a glass of milk or pour the milk in my ice cream like I like to do. And, uh, and I make myself at home. But there again, I've never thought about going into Chad and Doria's house and be like, hey, going upstairs to take a shower. They probably wouldn't care, Uh, but I just typically have never uh, done that. And uh, so I've been accused of making myself at home before, but so when when you're a guest or you have a guest, and now how many of you know, we know what it's like to be at that house or that home to where it is nice, isn't it? To go somewhere where you do feel comfortable, you feel like you can be yourself, you can relax, you can uh, enjoy a visit, but maybe you've been on the other end of that to where you've been a guest at someone's house, but it's a little awkward, you know, there's just this vibe that maybe they don't really 
You know, have I overstayed my welcome? Do they not want me here? Uh, you know, uh, you're just a little, little bit on pins and needles, so to speak. But I tell you, one thing's for sure. One place I really want to feel at home is the house I have paid for. I want to feel at home in the house that I've paid for. I want to feel at home in the house that I have furnished. I want to feel at home in the house where I live, right? And this is uh, the illustration that I'm emphasizing and perhaps overemphasizing, you may argue, because in Colossians 3.16, we're presented with an admonition concerning a very special, and I put in quotes, a very special guest. Because uh, as we will understand very quickly, he is more than just a guest. But it starts off by talking about the Word of God. Notice what the Bible says in Colossians 3.16, Let, and that's an important word, let the Word of Christ, and here's the word, dwell. Dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let obviously means allow. The Word of Christ is obvious, but dwell. The reason I went on and on about being a guest and feeling at home, that word dwell literally means to feel at home. But it goes beyond just, you know, the, 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 the general comfort of being at home. It goes beyond that. Uh, it goes to the, to the idea of giving the run of the house. Let the Word of Christ have the run of the house. Give, give, give it plenty of room in your lives. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. This, and, and remember, Colossians and Ephesians, they've got some parallels together. Colossians 3, or Ephesians 3, 17 says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now remember, that's written to Christians. So, you know, we often use the terminology, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and your life and be your Savior. But He's not saying there, boy, I hope that you'll get saved. No, He's talking to people who are already saved, who Jesus already abides and lives within them. But He's saying, hey, I'm wanting Christ to be able to dwell in your heart, in your mind. I'm wanting Christ to be able to feel at home. I'm wanting Christ to be able to feel uh, like He has the, the uh, control, that He has complete um, peace and liberty within our house. Um, I don't want Christ to ever feel like He's outstayed His welcome. How is our relationship with Christ? Because um, at some point, as much as I love Connor over, I don't know if we've ever reached this point, but at some point, Connor just never left. At some point, I might be thinking, okay, Connor, you know, uh, maybe time to go here. Uh, you know, sometimes guests can outstay their welcome, but so, uh, but what we do, you know, Benjamin Franklin, of course, said that, uh, what did he say, house guests and fish both stink after three days is, is the way Benjamin Franklin put it. But, uh, but, but, the, but the point is this. Uh, if we're not careful, we can treat Jesus' accessibility into our lives like, sure, Jesus, come by any time, but just as long as it's this time and that you leave after a certain time. Well, of course, the way I ended the whole thing about feeling at home and being a guest is one place I really want to be able to feel at home 
is in my own home. I won't be able to kick off my shoes. I want to be able to take a bath if I decide to on Saturday uh, nights, you know. And I want to be able to go to the uh, kitchen and fix myself a sandwich. I want to be able to do whatever I want. It's my home. I've paid for it. I've furnished it. I live there. Well, guess what? If you're saved by the grace of God, Jesus Christ has purchased you. Your body. He's paid a great price for you. He's purchased you. He's furnished you. He's the one who has blessed us with the blessings that we have, and the abilities that we have, the minds that we have, the time that we have. He's done all of that. So He's paid for us, He's furnished us, and He lives within us. Alright? And, and, and the Bible is very clear about that. The Bible says in uh, Colossians 1.27, so you could look right there in the book of Colossians, the Bible says, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? So, one thing's for certain, Jesus Christ has purchased us. He has furnished us, He lives within us. Now imagine living in a home. Let's, let's back that, go back to my long uh, intro scenario, and imagine that you lived in your own home, but you didn't feel at home. Imagine that you didn't feel like you could relax. Imagine that you didn't feel like you could go open up that door uh, into that room over there somewhere, you know, to where maybe when you knocked on the door, people went and threw stuff real quick, you know, to clean up or something. Uh, uh, Imagine not being able to go into a certain closet in your own house. Uh, You know, imagine not being able to uh, feel comfortable uh, in your own home. Well, I submit to you tonight that that's a possibility as far as the picture that's been given. Ephesians says that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Colossians says, let the Word of Christ dwell in your hearts. Let let, let, let them feel at home. Let them have total control. Let them be in charge. it's, It's very connected with verse 15 that we looked at last week, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You know, remember, remember that? We was talking about letting the, the Word of God, the peace of God, make the cause. Well, it's kind of the same way here. We're letting the Word of God dwell in our lives. Now, if you think about it, sometimes we don't feel very comfortable with perhaps what God is, God's Word is saying and speaking to our lives. And so rather than make the Word of God comfortable, and and rather than making Christ comfortable in our lives, if we're not careful, we try to maintain our own comfort. And therefore, it's it's an amazing thing, because even though the Bible says that you have been purchased with the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you want to know something? He lives within you. If you're saved, He lives within you. If you're not saved, He doesn't, and you need Him tonight. But if you're saved, He lives within you. But does He dwell within you? Because think about that. You have someone tonight living on the inside of you. He's he's purchased you. He's furnished you. He lives there. He is God Almighty. 
But he will not force himself in charge of the house. He will not take anything in your life. I mean, as far as he will not take control without your permission. He will not just all of a sudden make you start, you know, honoring him. He will not start making you praying or making you do any of these things. Uh, The Bible says this, the Bible says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. We grieve the Spirit of God. In other words, He doesn't feel at home when maybe we're letting sin or doubt or whatever dominate our lives. So when we look at this tonight, we see what the Bible's saying is, let. So in other words, we must allow. And and the way we do this is by submitting ourselves to Him, by saying, Okay, Lord, just acknowledging and honestly tonight saying, Okay, Lord, I know you live within me. I want you to dwell within me. Lord, I don't want to have anything off limits. Um, Natalie and a friend came over and they were looking for Squirt, her uh, leopard gecko, yesterday I think it was. Uh, And as they were looking around, maybe it was the day before, and they were looking around for uh, uh, Squirt. And we've got another issue, Ralph. We had Shelly gone before, now it's Squirt, so we're praying, okay? Uh, But they were looking around, well, let's look here, let's look there, let's go look upstairs. And I said, don't look in my bedroom. I've already looked there, you know. uh, I mean, uh, you see what I'm saying? In other words, there shouldn't be any areas of our life, however, to where we say, okay, Lord, yeah, I'll give you this area. You're welcome here, but you're not. You're welcome just right in the entryway, that which everybody sees, but you're not welcome upstairs. And you're not welcome in that closet. Are there areas of your life? Are there areas of your mind? Are there areas of your thought life that are closed off to Christ? That are closed off to the Word of Christ? If so, I want to tell you something tonight. You're robbing yourself. Because we have a Creator that knows and wants the best for us. And so, uh, let the Word of God dwell, and here's what it says, let it dwell richly. See? Let it dwell richly. And that that, that word richly carries the idea of abundance and abundantly. That describes what God wants to do in your life. Let me just tell you this for sure. When we are keeping areas of our life off limits to God, you know, if if you're keeping keeping the... the time that you're on the computer, if you're keeping your screen time, if that's your time that Jesus isn't welcome in that time, you're robbing yourself uh, of, of allowing G- of Jesus' richness. Because sometimes if He's not allowed in these certain areas, there's a reason why. Because maybe He wouldn't feel very at home in those. Uh, he ought to be able to be with us and at home when we're on social media when we're texting, when we're talking, when we're uh, talking along with friends. That shouldn't be an area of our life to where we say, nope, Jesus, you're, you're not very welcome in here right now. This is a door that I'm keeping closed. This is a room in my life I don't want you in. But here's the thing. Whatever it is that's off limits to Jesus is having, the, uh, having a negative effect on your life, not a positive effect on your life. I promise you that. It may be something you want really bad, but it doesn't mean that it's good. See, the Word of Christ and Christ in your life will dwell richly, abundantly. So the secret of having the abundant life is having the Word dwell in you abundantly. I mean, just saying, yep, Lord, here it is. Fill me. This is yours. I'm yours. My thoughts, every area of my life, every thought, everything, it is yours. So uh, let 
the Word of Christ dwell richly. And so what we see here quickly is a couple of things. The abiding Word of God. See, what we need to have... So in your, perhaps in your lap tonight, you have a Bible. Some of you have it on your phones, whatever it may be. But what we need to do, we need to get the Bible, we need to get the Word of God off of these pages, you need to get the Word of God off of that screen, and we need to get it into our lives and into our hearts. It shouldn't just be this book over here. We need to get this book in here. The psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God, against thee. And so the word of Christ dwelling in our hearts becomes a vast treasure. He says, dwell richly. So when you've got the word of Christ dwelling in your heart, it becomes a vast treasure of wisdom upon which the Holy Spirit of God can draw as you go and as He guides us through the varying circumstances of life. See, many of us can't honestly say that God's Word dwells in our hearts richly because if we're not taking time to read it, and this is where the let comes in, if we're not taking time to read it, if we're not taking time to commit it to memory, if we're not taking time to know it, then the Word of Christ is going to have a hard time dwelling in our hearts. But the more that we know of the Word of God, the more we get into the Word of God, the more we get a hold of God's Word and read it like a love letter and just say, Lord, I mean, listen, and I understand. You know, I've told you before, I, I always go back to, or I often go back to where when, when, when the Lord saved me when I was 16 years old. And uh, I told you, I, I, I don't know, I've never been uh, diagnosed or anything, but man, uh, you know, I believe I've had some ADD or something like that. I know whatever it was, man, I had a terrible time. I didn't just dislike reading. I couldn't focus when I read. Uh, it was just the hardest thing for me, but I, and therefore I didn't like reading. Uh, so when I got saved, that's a problem if you're saved and you don't like reading, right? Um, thank God today we've got Bible apps and we can listen. And man, uh, that's, that's a powerful thing too, believe me. Uh, and that's something I did too. I got cassettes and listened to Alexander Scorby on cassettes. Um, also, after I got saved, but I didn't, I didn't like to read, but I wanted to know God. I wanted the Word of Christ to dwell in me. I, I wanted what God had for me. I knew that God had something for my life. So I would read, and guys, let me tell you something. I would read, and it'd be so frustrating because it was just like any other time I would read. I would read, and as I read, my mind would inevitably just wonder. I mean, and that's what happened to me all the time. I'm, re I'm, I'm reading words, but my mind is off thinking about other things as I'm reading. And literally, I would, what, what would almost wake me up is when I'd get to the, the, the chapter breaks. And I'd get to the end of a chapter and I'd be like, oh yeah, I was reading, wasn't I? Uh, but in my mind, I was out you know, playing ball or I was out flying a kite or I don't know what else. I mean, I'm just saying my mind would just drift. But by the grace of God and with, with great wisdom and, and counsel from uh, one of a, a mentor of mine, somebody that helped disciple me, I just kept reading. I kept reading. I kept trying. And I'm telling you, as I would, man, all of a sudden, I started paying attention. And all of a sudden, I started catching some things. And I started understanding some things along the way. Um, 
And, and I started memorizing verses. I started just writing them down, and I'd write it down over and over again. Then I'd read it over and over again. And it's so cool because uh, oftentimes I'll get up here and I'll quote, uh, you know, uh, small sections of Scripture. And the cool thing about that is uh, some of those scriptures are the same scriptures that I began to commit to memory when I was 16, 17 years old. And I can still get up here and quote them uh, today. Uh, But I'll tell you this, I need to memorize more uh, because a lot of that, that is things that I've memorized previously. But the the point is that God's Word dwelling in me, Christ in me. See, when Christ's Word is at home in your life, Christ can be at home in your life and you can begin to to live a victorious Christian life and it can begin to transform you. And many of you realize that because God's Word does exactly that. Many of you have experienced the same thing. Why? It's the abiding Word. It's got something we've got in our hearts. The Colossians were dealing with people that were trying to come in with man-made religions and traditions, religious rules, human philosophies. And what the Colossians, what the false teachers were trying to do is they were taking their beliefs and then trying to find Bible that would kind of go along with it. People still do that today. And if we're not careful, we can do that today. Uh, we can try to find verses that agree with uh, what we, the perspective we want to have. And we can, we, we can go in with the premeditated thought and then go try to find a Bible verse. Let me tell you something. You can do that with the Bible. Now, we can't do it accurately, accurately with the Bible. We have to take it out of context and what it originally says. But we can actually do that as individuals. Am I the only one that's ever done that, by the way? Um, uh, uh, I, I've done that. Um, and I hate to say that I've done it, but I, I have justified, and I can think about a time in my life when I was really getting away from the Lord as a, as a teenager, and I can remember a couple verses in particular that I was trying to use and, uh, to, to, to agree with the way I was wanting to live. Um, but that's not how the Word of God works. We don't, we don't make up our minds on what we want to believe or how we want to live and then see if we can find some Bible to support it. What we do is we say, okay, God, what do you say? And then we take the Word of God and apply it to our lives and say, okay, I'm going to do what your book says. I'm not going to go try to find a verse that supports what I say and take it out of context. I'm going to let your Word speak, say what it says, whether I understand it or not, whether I get it or not. Uh, <laughs> that, that's not important. What's important is you said it, clearly you said it. If you said it, I believe it. I'm going to live it. I'm going to obey. I'm going to trust. I'm going to obey. Uh, but again, those, those false teachers, that's what they were going to try to do. But again, we can do the same thing. But we have the abiding Word, and then also we see the abounding Word. When the Word of Christ is abiding, dwelling in us, we will then see the Word of God abounding. Um, Look at what the Bible says here as we continue in verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now, if you would, turn with me real quickly to the book of Ephesians. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, back a few verses to your left. A few verses, a few pages, I mean. Uh, Ephesians chapter number 5. All right. 
Can someone read verse number 18 for me, please? Any volunteers? All right. Then it goes on to say, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. So again, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourself, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Now, three, chapter 3, verse 16 of Colossians, let the word of Christ dwell in you, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Interesting, isn't it? Being, spirit, being Scripture-filled is being Spirit-filled. Being Scripture-filled is being Spirit-filled. When we're filled with the Scripture and the Word of Christ is dwelling with us, folks, being filled means to be under the control of. So being Spirit-filled means that the Spirit of God, we're, we're um, giving control of our lives over to Him. We are submitting, we are yielding to the working of the Holy Spirit of God. And then we see the abiding Word become the abounding Word. The abounding Word. Notice what he says there, teaching and admonishing one another. So the input of God's Word becomes the output of God's Word. God puts His Word in us, and then the Word of God comes out of us. You know one of the benefits of having a a Scripture-filled life? and having Christ dwelling in our hearts, and having the Word of Christ dwelling in our lives, filling at home, just having the whole run of everything, um, is that, uh, but basically it goes this way. Whatever's in, the, whatever's in the well comes out of the pump. Right? Whatever's in the well comes out of the spigot. Uh, you know, Adrian Rogers said this way, you can tell whatever you're full of because whatever you're full of, when, when it's jostled, that's what comes out. Uh, I have a bad habit of filling my coffee up to about right here to the very brim. I don't know why I do that for. It ain't like I couldn't go back and make another trip. But I had to get back up out of the recliner, Eric, and then go all the way back in there again, you know. But uh, So I fill the coffee, and then I'm walking in there, you know, and I think I got it, I think I got it, and lo and behold, of course, it gets jostled. And so since it's full of coffee, pop comes out. No, it's full of coffee, so coffee comes out. Then I gotta fill, then I gotta clean up the coffee. Uh, you know, and uh, and burn my hand and everything else. Uh, but but the, but the point I'm trying to make is this: sometimes we get jostled, we get shaken in life, we get a little moved in life. What do we do? Well, if we're full of the word of Christ, guess what we can do? Man. Something like that can come out. We face bad situations and joy can come out. Um, so, so we get full of the Word, the Word of God comes out. The input of God's Word becomes the output of God's Word. And it's expressed in two ways. In sermons, and, and I kind of put that in quotes, because he says, teaching and admonishing one another. Um, so so the, the Word of God will have its way in public life. We will, we will reveal its treasures, resolve its mysteries, relate its principles to life. I'll say that again. With the Word of God in our hearts, we will reveal its treasures, resolve its mysteries, and relate its principles to life. Teaching and admonishing one another. Uh, I'll give an example of this. This just come to mind today. Um, Jen Wendell, I, I got to give her credit for for the sermon, uh, not this whole sermon. Uh, she probably may not want credit for that, uh, 
But one of the things I said is I'm sitting in my office today, uh, and, and many of you had a similar experience today, I'm sure, sitting in, uh, sitting in my office today, and I had people uh, asking me, and it was just like, hey, are we canceling service tonight? And it was just the hardest thing, right? And you know, you're seeing things come on the news, and schools are letting out, and I just turn around and look out of my window, and I'm like, not yet. <laughs> I'm just like, not yet. Uh, and then Jen's, Jen got sent home early uh, from work, you know, and they, and, and they sent everybody home off the job sites and everything. And, and she said, but it's nice. I don't need to go home. I can stay and work. But she said, just think about that, though. She said the, 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 the example, a good example to be used there is just like with us oftentimes. We try to, we try to warn people, don't we? Tribulation's coming. Trouble's coming. Uh, hell's coming. Whatever it may be. And people are looking around like, pe- people live sinful lives. This can happen with, we, we, we pick on teenagers a lot with this. It can happen with teens, it can happen with adults. They're living a sinful life, they're making sinful choices, and we're like, I'm telling you, that, 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 that there's going to be a payday for all this. You don't get paid all the time on the very day you work. Sometimes it comes a little bit later. You reap what you sow, both good and bad. That, that, that's meant for good, by the way, you reap what you sow. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's terrible all the negative preaching I heard. I thought that was a negative verse for the longest time, but it's a positive verse. Uh, you reap what you sow. But, but still, it's also got the negative side with it, right? Um, so you warn people, hey, it's coming. But they look out their window like I did today and be like, nah, I don't think so. It's beautiful and sunny and it's nice in December. I don't think anything's coming. But the people that were uh, being sent home uh, were able to look at something that other people may not be able to see. We're looking outside, but they were looking at the radar. They were looking at a different perspective, and they saw, no, I'm telling you, there's something coming. And, uh, and, and I thought that was a good illustration. But what am I saying there? What was Jen doing? She was teaching me, so to speak. Uh, she, 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 had the, she had a thought on her heart, and she just like I said, hey, uh, you know, teaching and admonishing one another. I love it. One of my favorite things here uh, that, I, that I enjoy so much uh, is when I am done with the message and somebody comes and tells me something and they're like, hey, you mentioned this, but what about that? You know, and, and they'll add a whole nother point or a whole nother dimension to what I was saying. And I'm like, oh, I wish I would have thought of that. Um, you know, it, it's a whole, it's, it's just a cool thought because they're saying that they're thinking and they're, they're, so the word of Christ is in you. So we're able to teach one another. We're able to talk about the word of God together. We're able to talk about the precepts and the principles together. We're able to admonish one another. That can also be both good and bad. Uh, we admonish one another. We can admonish people, uh, each other to do, continue to do right, but we also admonish one another not to make the wrong decision. And then, then lastly, uh, the abounding word manifests itself in sermons, so to speak, um, teaching and admonishing, and then also in songs. In songs. He says, teaching and admonishing one another uh, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. No, that's really good. There's a, there's a lot that I could say, and I actually got quite a bit that I was going to say about singing tonight. And, um, but there's a lot that could be said about singing. But I'm telling you, man, there, there really is something to singing. Singing to the Lord. And it's not just singing as individuals, but there's also a corporate side of this whole message because let the Word of Christ dwell in your hearts 
That's individually, but it's also corporately. Because as we as a church allow the Word of Christ to dwell in our hearts and Christ to fill at home in our lives, it's going to make a profound difference within our church and within our community as well. Singing with songs in our hearts. The Bible says singing uh, to one another, encouraging one another uh, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I'll just say this. I, I love, you know, there's, there's a place in the Bible where the Bible talks about God giving us songs in the night. Have you ever been going through a hard time and God just give you a song? I love that. It's good to sing. I, I love singing songs of praise when I'm up. But man, there's sometimes when I'm down where I'm just like, man, I need to hear that song. I just need to hear that song. Uh, it, it don't strike, uh, every, everybody's match don't strike on this one, but man, one of my go-tos is going to the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir and them singing, I will lift up mine eyes to the hill from whence cometh my help. My goodness. Every once in a while, I'm just like, I believe I need to hear that song. Then while I'm crying and shouting and snotting on my way to work or wherever I'm going, I hit it again and say, I need to hear it one more time. And then I share it with somebody else and they're like, you're weird. <laughs> you know? But for me, uh, but for me, they're singing a psalm. They're literally singing a psalm and it blesses my heart. Um, there's sometimes I might just want to hear, uh, you know, uh, a, a song about, uh, you know, just, just think about a number of songs that, that bring joy to your heart. I, I remember times when I'd be going through a tough uh, time as a, as a teenager. One of the songs I heard, learned at camp, I didn't learn the whole song, but I just learned the chorus. Jesus, Jesus. Um, that's all I remember at the moment. But that's really all I needed. But I would learn some of these Jesus songs, and I would just sing them. I would just sing them, and it sounded beautiful. Believe me, it did. Uh, it probably didn't. But I want to tell you something. It sounded beautiful to the Lord. Amen? And so we can sing, and songs can help us uh, with the Lord. And just like Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises at midnight, God can give you a song in the night. Amen? If the Word of Christ is dwelling in you. Because the problem is sometimes we, don't get, we can't get a grip on what we're facing in life because rather than the Word of Christ dwelling in us and being filled with the Word of Christ, uh, man, we're filled with whatever's been on Fox News for the last 24 hours. Then what songs are we singing then? You know, it's usually, uh, you know, uh, blues, despair, and agony on me. Amen? Um, but, uh, but I'm telling you, by the grace of God, we can be filled. Hey, how, how much room? How much room do you have for Jesus? How much room do you have for the Word of God in your life tonight? Amen? All right, well, that is the message. Thank you.